This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Hey, just a couple of quick notes before we get started today. I wanted to remind you all that you can now follow us on Facebook. You can look up Mormon Expression, and there you can see sort of behind the scenes going on and get the first track on what we're working on. You can also follow us on Twitter. Look us up at mormon.express for our Twitter account. You can find a link to both of these on the Mormon Expression webpage. Also, uh, let you know about this podcast coming up that you're about to listen to. This was actually recorded back in August, a couple of noted changes. We talked about picking up a crazy um, believing Mormon, and we have done so since, and that's our new panelist, Mike. We also um, were talking about recording a podcast in the future with uh, Melanie, and we did that back in episode 18 last week. So uh, that one is out and available for you to all listen to. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the podcast, and here we go. Welcome to another edition of Mormon Expression. Tonight we're recording a special edition. Um, we're going to listen to some voicemails that have been left. You all hear the number that we leave at the end of every podcast and some other comments or questions that have been uh, asked of us since we started the podcast. Um, so this is kind of a podcast about the podcast. Um, tonight we're joined with uh, the full complement of our panel. First we have George. Good evening, everybody. And Niall. Hello, everyone. And Jim. Hey, good evening. And Tom. Hey, what's up, guys? All right, guys. So uh, so here we go. Let me uh, play you the first voicemail, and then, uh, then we can talk about it. Hey, listen to your podcast. Uh, you guys did a great job. Hey, just another idea um, for a podcast would be... Uh, um, authoritarianism or the patriarchy in the Mormon church, um, how there's not accountability for leaders, um, and the problems that, that causes in congregations and individual levels, especially people who are leaving the church. Um, and maybe something about, you know, how authoritarianism is, is dying, the patriarchy is fading away. Um, Anyway, great topic. I'm looking forward to the next ones. Um, so thanks a lot. Bye-bye. So there you go. Authoritarian, authoritarianism in the church. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts? I think, it's a, I think it's a good topic. I think uh, it is something that we probably need to discuss, probably need to set up a full podcast to it, I think. Okay, yeah, I, I think the nature of the church is, is you know, highly structured. And it, you know, lends itself to be authoritarian. Um, it, I think it also lends itself uh, for, you know, bullies to get in certain positions for that, and they use the, these positions to enact almost callous will 
against the, the congregation that they were uh, that they were put in stewardship over. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of arrogance uh, that is shown in some Mormon bishops and other positions of leadership that they're doing so because they can. They're telling you know a 16 year old girl who's knocked up, you know, you have to give your, your baby away. Uh, and it, it's almost a gleeful kind of, you know, the promotion of, of their ego, an extension of their ego, if that makes sense. I, I think, I think it's important to note that that doesn't, I mean, that's not a general, um, assumption. I mean, some, there are some bishops, there are some leaders that, you know, kind of get carried away and do their own little power trip thing. But the one thing that about this particular topic is I don't want to I don't want to get on a rant where we're just kind of criticizing the brethren you know the higher ups um, unnecessarily I think that you know they I guess we can kind of analyze it a little bit but I I would hate to uh, what, what's that one quote that Downey Joke says you can't criticize the brethren even if the criticism is true <laughs> well I think the potential is there the way the the way it's set up, there's definitely a problem um, with bishops and stake presidents, and if there is abuse, there is no recourse for members, and there are stories out there. Um, what's uh, Lavina Fielding Anderson's website, uh, do you, you all remember, where they catalog abuse uh, in the church? I don't know. What is that? This is new to me. Yeah, I, I've got, uh, I can get a hold of that. I was looking at it the other day, but right now I don't have it off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't remember. We'll have to, we'll have to post it. But so, so it's possible, but I think it's pretty rare because there's not much motivation for it. Unless you're just an arrogant person by default, you know, there's no money involved in being a stake president or a bishop. There's no. Uh, I disagree with that, but what, that's what, another topic entirely. What, what money do you think's involved? I mean, well, I think it's it's about influence. It's about your social network. It's about uh, giving favors to people. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that. That that's that's everywhere. But it's I, about I, strength. You know, it, it's about strengthening. You know, interpersonal relationships. I, I agree. I mean, but that's going to be everywhere. But that that's. I think the abuse that we're we're talking about the is is a, a step bigger than that normal um, social climbing that goes on everywhere and influence yeah. peddling. I agree. I mean, th just think of it this way, Jim. I mean, there's, you'll have supervisors or bosses that, you know, will, will rule things unfairly, but then you'll get some that are fair. I mean, that's, that's around everywhere. People, some people just have their egos in a power position, whether it's in the church or out of the church. Now, what do yeah, you, I mean, very, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had some very, you know, the bishop that I had when I was a, a you know a late teenager from my from when I was about sixteen to eighteen he was a very you know what you know I would define as a spiritual person and very down to heart you know very down to home you know very good heart you know but then at the same time there's individuals who just get off on telling other people what to do. Okay, so we, we have the website, uh, Niall found it, it's Mormon Alliance, mormonalliance.com, that's the one. Um, well, so what well here would be my, my question, Tom. Um, if we were to do this as a podcast, we could look at it a couple different ways. We could either, uh, it could be a slam thing where all we do is, is spend the entire time talking about examples of where bishops and stake presidents have abused their power. Um, we could come 
and then compare it with what good experiences that we've had. Um, we could do, we could spend some time comparing um, the abuse that's found in these types of situ religious situations, maybe our religion to other religions. And then like the top point Tom just brought up, we could compare it with the religious environment compared to maybe a work environment where the same type of abuses are going on. And I think we'd have to decide which of those ones that, that we'd, uh, we'd want to talk about during the, during the time. Because we've all seen plenty of examples of where this types of thing exists. Yeah, true. Uh, well, correction, John, it's uh, mormonalliance.org. Oh, dot .org. Dot .com is probably some porno site. Dot .org. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, uh, what do y'all think about the um, second comment the caller has, which is um, that it's dying? Yeah, the caller suggests that it, this is changing. What do you think about that? I just got that. How is it dying? What 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 policies have changed? I, I think I actually agree with the caller here. I think that it's changing. I I don't think that the brethren have as much power as they used to, and that people, for example, have the 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 internet. They will post these things. You remember what is about three or four years ago when uh, L. Tom Perry gave that crazy talk up in Idaho, and the thing immediately hit the hit the internet where he was talking about the brethren taking uh, chocolates in order and and all sorts of stuff. So, so it's not a, it's not that the church or the brethren have changed; it's that the world's changed, sort of thing. Well, that's usually the way it goes, isn't it? Well, I think that would be the, the subject of whether we're going to talk about the uh, general authorities exercising power and what influence they have if they give a talk somewhere how fast it, it uh, flows to the church but i think what i kind of heard was the authoritarianism that can happen at the stake level where everybody in the ward won't they won't dare you know wear a different uh, color tie unless they've cleared it with their bishop and their stake president you know a month in advance i think part of the reason for uh is the church actually making progress? Is legal ramifications? I mean, the church is very concerned. Well, at least it seems that way until the Prop 8 thing hit. But, you know, there's, it seems like they're really concerned about their image and the legal ramifications of certain issues that the church has presented. All right. Well, let's go yeah. on to the uh, our second call we have here. Yeah. My name's Josh. Um, I'm a listener to the Mormon Expression podcast, and I was just curious if you guys were going to talk about the topic of uh, why women don't have the priesthood. Um, and I'm an active member. I was just wondering on uh, some of the panelists' takes on that. And then also uh, maybe talking of um, some of the panelists that were once in the church and have left, if they would talk about um, their take on the temple um, and, uh, you know, the ordinance that were that were done in there, what's their take on those now that they're, um, that they've left the church? Um, I mean, do they still, do they think they're important or whatever? If, uh, it'd just be cool to, uh, hear about those. That's all. Thanks. Bye. So this is George, and on the first topic, I'll try and address that. A uh, presentation was given at this thought that the last Sunstone um, Symposium um, a few weeks ago. Um, the title of it is A Comparison of the Black Priesthood in the Mormon Church and the Prospectus for Women. I've scheduled a upcoming podcast that would cover this one and basically what the, 
the author is proposing is the is the similarities between um, the social environment and what was going on in society that caused the blacks to receive the priesthood back in the 70s and the current day similarities between what's happening in society and would there be a potential for women receiving the priesthood at some point in the future and so that's a, a subject and a contact that I've been able to make and I have scheduled that for a future podcast so uh, at least in the comparison of the of the blacks and, and what happened there and then the women getting it we we do definitely do have that scheduled for the future uh, it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say because I don't see a whole lot of parallel between the two uh, once the you know the blacks were given the priesthood everybody woke up the next day and it was all like oh great okay and everything went on if you gave the women the priesthood, you'd have to retool the whole church from top to bottom. The very yeah. that, organization. That's one of the cons that the person brings up against it is that there would have to be a bureaucratic and an organizational change in order to bring that to effect. There are some things that are similar and there's some things that are dissimilar. And just there's also what if, you know, on that, I mean, what if they were given the priesthood? I think that would totally change the face of Mormonism completely. Well, think think about how it changed the RLDS church. Do you remember when they changed and they allowed women to to have leadership positions and to have their priesthood? Yeah, yeah, it changed them quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was huge. It was drastic. So I think that's a good parallel to kind of see and, and take note as to what kind of change that the LDS church would have if it all of a sudden started to allow the women to have um, the same priesthood. Another issue that we could talk about is because uh, one of the things that's kind of under not really talked about is there are some women that actually hold the priesthood if you think about it because in the temples I mean there are some women that have to uh, do certain ordinances and stuff and they have a certain small degree of the priesthood. Yeah, this this has been an ongoing debate for uh, a few years. I don't know if the idea was introduced in modern times by. Michael Quinn or not, but I think so, uh, which is basically stating that the women receive the priesthood as part of their um, endowment. Um, if that's the case, it's ineffectual because the net result is nothing, but it's an interesting academic question, I think. And uh, <laughs> and in, in the, uh, which, which podcast was that where you had uh, Kimberly Ann and Elizabeth? Uh-huh. I think they even meant I think one of them even mentions the fact that yeah their women used to have the priesthood and then they eventually it was either banned or they just giving it out to women I don't know which yeah and yeah it, basically Joseph Smith had had uh, you know pushed the idea of women having the priesthood or you know a, a, or some kind of semblance of it and then Brigham Young basically came in you know as far as I understand and next that you know right in the bud. One of the reasons I've heard that, I, I don't know if this is right because it's just first sourced. I haven't heard it um, proven anywhere. But the reason they did that is early on the, the ordinance of laying on of hands, it wasn't done to the, the head. It was done to the part of the body that was actually injured. And so the women, of course, if you were going in to give a, a priesthood blessing and it was a womanly part, of the body, um, you didn't have a man go in and do that. You had a, a woman go in and do that. And then I understand that when Brigham Young came along um, and became the president, he said, no, we can just do this laying upon the hands. And he took that, that uh, 
away, laying upon the head, and they removed that power from the women because of that. Womanly part? Well, I don't know what else. You know, <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> I, I got what you're saying. Okay, thanks. I didn't. Could you explain it a little more? No, let's 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 clean it up, guys. Clean it up. <laughs> okay, so the second question: the the temple and and uh, uh, our take on the temple. He specifically directed it to uh, you, uh, anti apostates. Yeah, I think that was a bad mistake. I don't think that anybody should call in here and ask Jim or Niall their opinion about much anything. <laughs> wow, 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 Niall! Just kidding, just kidding. You hear this guy? <laughs> oh, he's so scared. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. Shaking. Well, let's talk about the temple. Um, no, when I was uh, it's still in the church, and you know, when I went to take out my endowment. Um, I kind of uh, knew what I was getting into ahead of time because Google had, and uh, the internet was around <laughs> two years before you know I, I even uh, went through the, the temple process. Um, you know, I didn't know everything that I was going to be in for, but I, I, I knew it wasn't a big mystical kind of thing. It was very anticlimactic, and uh, even then, still, you know. Uh, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that goes into attending the temple, and now that you're, uh, now that I'm out, the temple seems very kind of you know like a like you're walking into a like a double tree you know hotel uh, <laughs> lobby you know in, instead of this you know glorious place of us that you kind of have in your mind you know as you're a kid when you go into, you know, do baptisms for the dead and, you know, later, you know, as you, you grow up and you go through the temple, you have a different mindset. You Now when I think about it, it was very, you know, it's very kind of staged, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, without giving, giving away too much, um, we've been warned not to get into specifics. Uh, <laughs> At fear of penalty. Yeah, a fear of penalty. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, true enough, you know, uh, you know, to, to square up, you know, the my temple experience, I, I would have to say it was very confusing uh, and repetitive. You never uh, you never had that moment in the celestial room where you felt peace and harmony and all that? I was just about to, to find peace and harmony, but then I got the, the evil eye from one of the attendants telling me my three minutes was up. So, Oh, jeez. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Niall, uh, why don't you take a crack at it? Well, I remember going through the temple class. Uh, the thing they kept emphasizing over and over and over is it's just symbolic. It's just symbolic. It's just symbolic. And so going in, I didn't really know what to expect, except that I knew they thought I was going to freak out. Because um, when somebody says that many times, it's just symbolic, it's just symbolic, you, you kind of get the idea that there's something bizarre. And it was kind of strange, you know, the first time through. But I have always, I've always felt the, I've always felt the spirit so strongly whenever I was in the temple. And uh, as my testimony of the church faded, I think that, 
the experience of the temple was probably the last thing to go. Um, I have a very, a very soft spot in my heart for the experiences I had in the temple, um, for the celestial room, for my temple marriage. But, you know, that being said, now when I look at it, how it, when you talk about things like staged symbolo symbology and things like that, I just got to shake my head and say, you know, members just sort of need to relax a little bit about it. It's deeply sacred, but, you know, open up, up a little about it. Sort of unclench, you know. When uh, Big Love had that episode showing, you know, uh, part of the endowment, I guess it was, and the, the uproar and the outrage and the anti-this and the persecution that, it just, I felt that was disrespectful of what the temple meant to me at the time. I would, I would like, if I could run the church, open the temple to anybody, member, non-member, worthy, unworthy, and let them go through uh, the experience. Um, it would take a lot of the mystery, the strangeness, or anything like that out of it. And since everything in the temple is just symbolic of this, that, and the other, why sacred, not secret, has been abused, abused so unbelievably much. It just seems like another excuse to hold yourself above everybody else who has been, in the, been through the temple. And uh, when I left the church, I asked myself very seriously, how, how seriously will I take the covenants that I took in the temple? And uh, I decided I was going to live by that spirit. You know, um, if somebody comes to me and asks me respectfully, what does this mean and what does that mean? I'm going to tell them, and I have told them. And I think I've done more to help the church and the temple ceremonies by being honest and not going, well, you know, I, I won't give you specifics because blah, 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 we're special. But, you know, I've had people walk away pleased with my answers just because for once nobody was giving them that either mocking it because you're out of it or hating it because you're out of it or it's too sacred to talk about with the likes of you blah 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 that's sort of how I feel about the temple All right. Yeah, right. on that point you know when you're out of the church or declared that you're kind of antagonistic towards the church um yeah, the same things that you would talk about, you know, concerning the temple become too sacred, quote unquote, to to talk about. Especially when you're when you're discussing, you know, the the foibles of the church. You know, it, it's a very quick way to disarm the the ex Mormon opponent. And just say, oh, you're not supposed to talk about that, and you know, and you know they you know, just take that route. What about you, John? I'm anxious to hear what you think. You know, for me, when I first went to the temple when I was 19, I was a bit taken aback. It was unexpected. I remember going home thinking, I thought I knew my religion. You know, cause I went to the temple because I had a mission call, and I remember thinking very seriously, I don't even know what Mormonism is about. If all this can be thrown at me um, right here, what you know, what am I doing? How can I go out and represent this church when I don't even know? And then I went through the temple like 10 or 15 more times for my mission. I, I really tried to push it in. It, 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 it struck me as a little weird and different than my experience. Um, 
Now, when I went on my mission, I was with um, Southeast Asians who were Buddhists, and I began studying their religion a little bit. And then after my mission, I studied more into Freemasonry and some of the other, you know, rites of other Christian churches and the Catholic Church. And now the temple, I don't think, is actually that weird when it comes down to it, when you compare it to other world religions. The problem is that the church keeps it secret, and that causes all the strangeness to broil up around it. If they just kind of let the doors flutter open, I think a lot of the weirdness would get diffused. It would be understood kind of as a as what it is, which is a, a sort of infusion of Masonry and Christianity and Mormonism. But it's probably that relationship to Masonry, which they want to cover up, which I, I don't think they need to. I mean, um, you know, the Mormon churches look like Protestant churches. That's not because that was revealed to Joseph Smith. It's because they followed that paradigm. And Masonry was common in the United States. If they want to build their um, endowment ceremony on that, then so be it. But so for me, uh, as I matured, the the, the temple um, was not weird. It was more just boring. Uh, but when I first went to the temple, it was quite a shock. Did did any did any of you guys uh, go through the temple before the uh, major changes? Was it in the in eighty nine or ninety? I went through before the last ones that they had. Just this last little round. Um, I went through in ninety two. So they made the changes in nineteen ninety. I was late nineties. Uh-huh. So. So no, none of you got to experience the uh, these, I guess they're called. The, the, Tom, the, did you? Were you in there before that time? No, I. I nope, I was a '93 guy. So I'm the only one here. I was a '82. Oh wow! See now, we're we're not going to talk about the changes. You have to go look them up on the internet. But the changes that came before that, I think, were even more significant. But I'll leave that as they a homework were. assignment for the uh, for the. The listeners at home. That was when they stopped the uh, the barbecue, right? Yeah, the, the, the barbecue, barbecue and the pipe organ was taken out. Okay. Yeah. What? I... <laughs> no, barbecue? There was no yeah, barbecue. Nor, nor... Yeah, it was it was big time. It was we we would have pork ribs and <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Oh, and the potato salad. <laughs> I heard there was a no cash bar and uh, <laughs> or a cash bar in uh... just at Manti called Porter's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, but this highlights a problem. Hey, want, one thing: no one can contradict anything we're saying, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's probably a good point to move on. Yeah. Uh, um, so I got a couple other. Um, those are the only two uh, um, calls we have to listen to that were in English. Um, hey, one there is one thing that should be noted, though. He he said he was a uh, an active faithful member. That means our audience we're getting to some faithful members that's great yeah and the only thing we have to say fix that (laughs) i have to say to our caller and to all other future callers if you leave your phone number we'll actually call you back and we won't give the phone number over the air either so you can uh, sell it (laughs) we won't give it to niall either we'll we'll keep it away from him so let's address a, a couple more of the questions we've been asked several times, at least I have, and it's come up on some of the discussions. Um, the first one we get most common is, uh, why are there not more faithful voices? Um, why are there not more sort of uh, mainline Mormons on, on the air? Why isn't there more Toms? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what about me? I'll be, I'll, I want to kind of, well, 
I'm guess I'm just kind of further out than you are, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Let me field this one. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know the the invitation's always always out for uh, you know for any anybody to come on, and it is a little bit telling that we haven't had many TBMs show up here, and and I think that has to do with I don't know the sunstone effect. What would you call that? Where uh, good, devout Mormons aren't supposed to be looking at this from outside the box, or the third eye, or you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, M- Mormons are generally trained from the time they're very young to um, have a certain level of distrust for the outside world. The the world is under Satan's control, and the anti-Mormons are liars and cheats. And anti-Mormons are anybody who says anything negative about the church. And I think that not everybody buys into that, of course, but that's the contextualization, right? And so the kind of criticism we're doing, which is criticism, at least in my mind, much like literary criticism, where you can look at an issue and and look at it from the good and the bad and, and upside and downside, I think most Mormons, when it comes to their faith, are not conditioned to do that, and they will avoid this sort of discussion. Okay, so that's why we don't have, at least in my opinion, why we don't have more mainstream Mormons. Although I do have to say, um, we do have some mainstream Mormons who I have been in negotiation with, and um, I don't know how mainstream they are. Maybe they're just nuts, but um, we want to look for some more mainstream voices in the future. Yeah, and and just just as a side note to that, I mean, yeah, I'm also trying to get a little bit of an approach, even if it means that, you know, I, I just talk to him on my own and record it and keep Niall and Jim out of it. Okay, the next uh, question I have is, what are you trying to accomplish? This has been asked in several forms. Um, so, guys, what are you trying to accomplish? Me personally, I'm I'm trying to affect the downfall of the church. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. Um, you know, from... so I'll, I'll, I'll answer that one. Um, I, I think for me in my perspective, I am trying to make it easier for those who follow along and join this path later than I did. When they come to that crisis of faith and they're reaching out to all the various sources that are available to them, that they will find this podcast and hear, be able to hear my voice at least providing an example of a different path that still makes you a decent person. I think everybody on this podcast is doing it because we have the um, desire to reach out to um, make a difference in somebody's lives who has been in the church and then run into this problem. The end goal, I think, is different for each of us. Um, we, there might be some that are leading us. Some of us might be leading people back to church, um, down a path of nominus, down a path of, of leaving the church entirely. But I think it's that general desire to, to try and influence and be an, uh, an effect on other people. So in that term, I think we're kind of, I, I guess I'd say I'm selfish because I want my, my voice to be heard and my influence to be felt. How does that sound? I'm sticking with tearing the church down. <laughs> Mine was too altruistic for you, huh? 
<laughs> but I don't think you can pull people away from the church. I think they have to make that decision on their own. It, it's it it's never something that you can do by you you can't talk somebody out of the church, uh, but you can certainly give them the talking points. You can't directly influence them. They have to make that decision on their own. Um, for me, I I just did this because it interests me. <laughs> I don't really have any motivation one way or the other. I think that if, um, I, I think that the borderlands of the church, that space between leaving the church and staying in the church, I think can be quite painful to some people. And, um, you know, Tom and I discussed that in our last podcast. But, um, so if any, if there's any other ulterior motive, it's to provide assistance to those people. Now, if they find their peace in the church or outside the church, whatever works for them, I hope works for them. But um, so, you know, maybe to provide just another voice out there, somebody else to hear some interesting things. But mostly for me, it's just because I, I find this whole thing fascinating. I, I, yeah, I, agree. I agree. I love talking about Mormonism even after I've left the church. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I'll always be interested in speaking about and talking to other like-minded individuals about. See, I, I agree with John and, and some of what George said. I like to I like to think that we're helping some people that might feel they're confused or feel like they're alone, feel like they can't um, have anybody to talk to or listen to because for a long time uh, it seemed like only John DeLynn was out there. And it, it, it's good that uh, there's a more of an, a balance or a more of an objective uh, voice like I like to believe that Mormon ex- expressions, I mean, I mean, you have to listen to Niall a little bit, but it's not, it, for the most part, it's pretty objective, I, I think. And I also want to, one, one of the things that I really like about uh, this project is that uh, it kind of lets people know that some of these people who, like <laughs> like Niall wants to tear down the church, that, you know, deep down, he's, he's still an okay guy, and that Jim, he's actually a pretty genuine guy. I mean, I... I Sometimes I think I should arm wrestle them or whatever, but for the most part, they're they're just good people. And even though they they disagree with their beliefs with some other people, that they're still good people. Well, I'm good. I'm okay, people. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Good people's a little stretch. You know, something you just said there reminds me of an experience I had over the weekend. I, uh, there's an author named Chaim. I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but I think it's Chaim or Chaim Potek. And he the book called The Chosen, which is a story of two um, Jewish boys from different sects of Judaism. And I'd read it about a month ago. My wife read it over the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that, that was startling to her and she hadn't really pieced together is how close of friends two people can be who are so have so different belief structures and backgrounds and even though they have separations and differences that they can still be very close friends in the subjects of religion and politics generally you you go for like-minded people well here we've got a group of people and i look forward to these podcasts because i get to hang out with people who have pretty broad ranging views but you know i we get along we have some laughs and i think the more people that we can share that experience with it does what what tom was just made in the fact that we we teach um, uh, another level of tolerance that I don't think is commonly um, seen in the church. 
Okay. Uh, the last question I, that I have written down, I don't know if you guys have any, is um, how do you pick your guests? Well, um, we, uh, if you sound interesting, <laughs> we've been contacted by some. We've uh, reached out to others. There's a lot we have in the works. Um, it takes time to get schedules arranged and do the recording and all that kind of stuff. So there's people we've reached out to that we haven't, we haven't finished up with yet. Um, basically I'm, I'm more than happy to bring virtually anybody onto the podcast. I just always ask them, what do you want to talk about? Um, uh, a lot of us have different stories and I don't want to get in a rut week after week after week talking about the same thing. So I don't care if you're a Mormon, ex Mormon, an evangelical, uh, uh, you have nothing to do with Mormonism, but you need to have something interesting to say about Mormonism. And then, uh, we can, uh, bring you on, uh, for the panel. When, when we talk about a specific topic, let's say the Book of Abraham, or if we were talking about Mountain Meadows Massacre, we usually try to find at least one person who knows something um, other than us. Uh, so if if you are an expert on some esoteric thing of Mormonism, then by all means, you're welcome to come here and, and plug yourself. Any any thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I thought going to Sunstone was a great resource. Uh, just in the two days, I, day and a half I was there, I probably met 15 people and contacted with, uh, with five or six people who I thought would just be wonderful to have. So the, the more opportunities I think we have to, to meet uh, experts in a field, I think, is, is wonderful. And the invitation still goes out to the public that if they want to record their own thing, um, I'm happy to publish it within reason. And if they contact me, we can talk about that and, uh, and get it done. So if you want to interview your mother then by all means, let's, uh, let's put it out there. Okay. Um, guys, anything else, uh, related to the podcast that you want to talk about tonight? I just want to say how wonderful the experience has been, uh, so far. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved, uh, you know, every minute of these podcasts and it's taught me a lot about myself and a lot about other opinions and, uh, I just love talking with you guys, of course, and uh, just want to say thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think it's uh, turned out well, and I can tell you we've got some more great um, people in the wings to come on and challenge ideas and discuss new things and defend things, and it should be good. I agree. I'm looking forward to uh, the future stuff that we come out with and talk about. It'll be good. Good. Yep, I agree. Same here. Okay, thanks for everybody on the uh, panel for participating. Uh, as always, you can uh, track this down more at mormonexpression.com and go to that to see comments and arguments and uh, whatever else is going on with the previous podcast. Remember to give us a call. The number is 801-906-6722, and we will play it on the air uh, as long as it's not dirty. And you can also um, email us comments or audio for future podcasts at mail at mormonexpression.com. 